Welcome to the 139.14 podcast, where we will explore how we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm your host, Ashley Danny. I'm so excited you're here today. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Happy October 19th. It is mid-month. This is episode two of the 139.14 podcast with me, Ashley Danny. Or you can just call me Ashley or Ash. I used to not like that nickname, but I've kind of grown used to it over the years. So it's okay if you call me it. So I'm excited for today, and I'm a little nervous because today I've decided to share my testimony. So the purpose of this podcast is to show and glorify God's story that he has created within us because we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. So a part of that I feel is sharing my own story to kind of show you how God has worked in my life. Now there's a couple things I want to preface before I actually get into my story because Our testimonies are so crucial and so important, and there's something that's always bugged me as I have done youth ministry and and I helped out in college ministry a little bit, is that I have had students and young adults come to me and say, Ashley, my testimony, it's just kind of there. Like, there's nothing to it. It's not substantial. It's not powerful. I found God in church when I was little and have went to church my whole life. Like that's my whole story. And what really hurts my heart is that the fact that they found God and have decided to follow him, they think that's nothing, that that's not powerful. But guys, it is the most powerful thing. Family, following Jesus isn't easy. And when you make that choice, whether you're young or middle or old, whatever age you decide to follow Christ, that is a powerful, powerful moment. And not all of us are perfect. All of us have fails and flaws and different things that are going on in our story. We just, I think, forget about some of the small things because we think that everything has to be big and grand and so huge for it to make an impact on somebody's life. But really, those small mistakes, those small things that happen make just as much impact on other people around you because all of us face those what we think are small, quote unquote, I'm air quoting, insignificant moments when really those are truly, truly significant I am, I'm a Pinterest person and I like going on Pinterest for like inspiration. And there was a couple quotes I found on Pinterest. Some of them have the name of who the quotes by, some of them don't. So I'm going to read them to you. And I think they really capture kind of our, like the purpose of our testimony. So the first one says, the purpose of sharing a testimony is to glorify God's sacrifice and his grace, not our sin or even how we respond to God. It's all about God. And that's the thing, like we tell our story and really it's not just our story. Yes, we are a part of the story, but in the big picture version, it's God's story. We are just a small part of it that get to share a little bit about it. And I think when we tell our story, we're so worried about the sin we've committed and sharing about that sin that we've committed 
And we're so focused on that part that we forget that it's not about the sin that we have overcame. It's about how God's sacrifice and his grace has allowed us to move past that and to hope, uh, be with him forever in heaven once we pass away because his grace. Because we don't deserve, we don't deserve to be in heaven with him forever. But because he loves us so much, he's allowing us to come in because he saved us. He sent his one and only son, his sacrifice, to save someone who is undeserving. So that's a good thing to remember as we talk about testimonies. And then another quote is, The unbelieving world should see our testimony lived out daily because it just may point them to the Savior. Uh, That was a Billy Graham quote. So you might have heard that before and you should know who that name is if you don't know who Billy Graham is. Huge, huge person in the Christian realm. Uh, We lost him a couple years ago. If you want to know more information, definitely uh, research him. He has this amazing story in life that was all focused on moving everyone towards Jesus Christ. Um, And I love what he says here about how the unbelieving world, so everyone around us in your school, in your work, in when you're shopping, when you are going on vacation, wherever you are in the world, everyone around you, it says unbelieving world, but let's be honest, even the believing world needs to see your testimony lived out daily so it will point to Christ. I think we've lived in such a world right now where Even as Christians, even as followers of Christ, we look at each other with kind of like, are you really following Jesus? Like you say it, but are you really? And the reason we do that is because there's been so many leaders that have been put up on these pedestals where we think that they are next to God, but they're not. They're human, but we don't treat them as human. We treat them as something next level. So when they fall, when their sin is revealed it falls apart and it's a horrible thing to see because not only is it a bad impression on us who are following Christ, but it's also not a good thing for our unbelieving world to see. And that's a problem. So our everyday life should be our testimony, should be Jesus flowing out of us. And a lot of that has to do with um, learning his heart, learning who he is, and trying to daily die to ourselves, and pick up our cross and live like Christ. But the only way you can do that is to know Christ and to draw near to him. And that is a daily decision and a daily walk to get to know him. You're not going to know him just like a snap of a finger. You have to constantly draw near to him, constantly talk to him, constantly study his word to be able to live out our testimony. And the last one uh, that I found, and I don't know if it's a quote or just somebody put it together, but I love it. And it says, God uses our trials to build our faith, draw us closer to him and give us a testimony of his faithfulness for others to see. Now, the word in here was trials. Trials can be big and trials can be small. But all of us face trials. God didn't say, well, Jesus, I believe this was in the Gospels. Jesus didn't say follow him was going to be easy. 
He just said it's going to be worth it. I think that's another thing as Christians we forget is that as followers of Jesus, we think that if we believe in him, everything's going to be handed to us and everything's going to be okay and nothing bad's going to happen. But guys, that's wrong theology. Like if anybody's ever taught you that, if someone has said that to you, you need to like stop them and say, no, no, that's not it. Jesus didn't tell us it was going to be easy. He said it was going to be worth it. We are going to face trials. I mean, look at the disciples, all of them. Well, let me rephrase that. Most of them that I know of, we I don't believe there's an account of every single disciple's death, but most of them, if not all, had hard, horrific kind of road after Jesus died. And many of them died because of their faith, were killed because of their faith. Paul wrote many of his letters while in jail. I would... I mean, I don't know for a fact there might be that research out there that I should look up later, but I'm pretty sure Paul probably spent most of his Christian walk in a jail cell than actually out with the people. I I mean, he he was in jail a lot, a lot. Um, so it's not going to be easy. So we are going to face trials to build our faith so that we Go closer to him. And so that gives us a story to share of his faithfulness. Like I said, they can be small or they can be big. And you're going to see some small ones in my story. And you're going to see some big ones in my story. And I have specific ones that I'm going to share with you because I can't share all of them. Or we're going to be here for like five hours uh, because I am a talker. So those were the three that I wanted to share before we got into my testimony. And my testimony is kind of all over the place, so I'm going to try to hone it as much as possible. And the end goal is to have you understand how God brought me into ministry, how God brought me to Lincoln where I am now, and how God brought me to this place of wanting to share with you and encourage you and, and oh my gosh, just walk with you in this crazy, crazy life, in this crazy world where we feel worthless, but really we're not. Because, like, I'm always going to say on this podcast, and you're going to get sick of hearing it, but I'm going to say it every time. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by Christ, and we need to hold on to that so tightly. Because the world, the culture around us wants to tear us apart and tell us this isn't right, and that's not right, and you're too fat, or you're too skinny, or you're too ugly, or you're too strong, or you're too weak, or you're too emotional. The world, the culture is trying to break us apart. And the only thing we have to hold on to, to know for certain who we are is Jesus Christ. And for me, the verse that holds on to that is that Psalms 139, 14. Hence the name. Anywho, let me tell you a little bit about my testimony. So I am one of the one of the um, people who can say that I grew up in the church. Thankfully, my Parents grew up in the church and they found it important for me and my brother to grow up going to church and learning about God. Um, I was baptized, or not, sorry, baptized. I was dedicated in the Brethren Church when I was a baby and just grew up going to Sunday school and learned all the Sunday school stories. I can sing all the Sunday school songs. I know all the important stories. I grew up just knowing God. 
but the the thing that really started chiseling away at me and defining me was my elementary years. So I was bullied. Now, I was not physically bullied. There are some kids who get physically bullied, beaten up, doing all the things. I wasn't physically bullied. I was emotionally bullied and verbally bullied. So there there is a difference, um, but both of them have the same mental kind of uh, repercussions that come along with just that beaten down state because words are just as harmful as um, broken bones. Uh, So in elementary school, specifically I remember first grade, I was at this elementary school and I was new, but I started at the beginning of the year. It's not like I came in midway and I just couldn't get any friends. Like, I just don't remember ever having friends. And there was a couple people that I'd hang out with, but they were like, I mean, in school, what you call the unpopular people, I'm like air quoting it because popularity doesn't matter nowadays, matter as an adult. But in but in elementary school and middle and high school, it's like this thing. Um, and for some adults, it's a thing, too. Uh, but they weren't the popular pe- popular crowd, so they, um, oh, I can't even know how to describe it. But I did, I, I knew them and I hung out with them at recess, but they weren't like my close friends. Like they didn't come over to my house. There we go. Well, there was this one boy and he wasn't even in my class. He was in a totally different class. But at recess, for some reason, he had focused in on me and he would chase me. There was sorry, let me back up. There was two playgrounds and he would chase me away from the good playground and I would have to go play on the old like rusted playground. And that's where the other couple kids were, too. And this whole time, it was just really jarring because he would say mean things to me at lunch Uh, He would talk about random things like I just remember him talking about he drank blood like that was something he would tell me he drinks blood. So it just really weird verbal and just different bullying abuses. Well, apparently one day my dad came to school either to lunch or to pick me up one or the other. And from what I understand, he saw or the teacher told him about something that this boy was doing to me. And that's when my parents found out that I was being bullied in first grade. And that was towards the end of the year. So at the end of the year, oh my goodness, uh, we decided to move to a different town. And I had this weird notion in my head as a first grader that the reason we were moving was because I was being bullied and mom and dad didn't want me to go through that. So they thought a different school would be better for me. So in my mind, I correlated moving with me being bullied, which will explain something in a minute. So we move. I start at a new school in second grade. I'm brand new to the school. And this school is a smaller school. And everyone started together in kindergarten or preschool. So they all know each other. And I'm just kind of this outsider that's jumping in, which really stinks 
because there's a whole dynamic with small schools that if you just jump in, you pretty much are the outsider forever, which really was the case for me. So in second grade, it didn't start right away, but like towards the end of the year, I started getting bullied again. And then in the third grade, it got worse. I had some mean girls just really rip into me. A lot of it had to do with like them liking a boy, them thinking I liked the boy, or maybe I did, I don't remember, and then just chastising me and embarrassing me and doing these things like verbally to me. So in third grade, when this all started happening, like more so than normal, in my mind, I'm like, I can't tell my parents that I'm being bullied because we're going to move again. Now, as an adult, as an adult, I look back at that moment and say, that was not the case. And I talked to my parents about it later in life. And they're like, no, that's not why we moved. We moved because dad wanted more land and be able to have a barn and do these things. It just really happened very closely after they found out I was being bullied. So it was just a plus that they were moving me out of that school. (laughs) But in my third grade mind, if I told my parents that I was being bullied, I was going to move again. So I didn't tell them. And so through fourth grade and fifth grade and even sixth, seventh, eighth and all the way through high school, I was bullied throughout that time. Now, probably the most significant bullying that happened that really defined me was my sixth grade year. We were at our very first dance. I was so excited. I had a cute 90s outfit on, so you know it looked horrible. And I had my glasses and my hair up, and it was I was all ready. And I was with my brand new friends that actually accepted me for who I was. And we were dancing and having fun. Well, I needed to go get a drink or go to the bathroom or something. So I walked out of the gym to that area. As I was walking back, this eighth grade girl stopped me, like grabbed my shoulder and I turned and I didn't know who she was. Didn't really care. I just wanted to get back to my friends. And she looks me up and down and she'd said something that really brought me down. And to preface this, Just so you know, I'm going to be completely honest in what she said. So there is some words that you might not want younger kids to hear if you have younger kids listening. So just know that at this moment. Um, And another thing I probably should tell you, if you have not seen me, I am a more, we're going to call it blessed girl when it comes to my physique. So this blessing that I had started in like fifth grade. So I thought it was just normal because my whole family like my mom's this way um my mom was this way I had aunts this way like I just thought this was normal and it was no big deal which really it wasn't but this girl thought it was something to point out so as she stopped me and turned me around she looked me up and down and she said stop stuffing your bra because these boys aren't going to want to dance with a slut exactly what she said to me and I was an innocent sixth grade girl I didn't understand this part of the world I thought that everything was happy-go-lucky when it came to now having friends and I was in youth group and just all the things and my whole world fell apart when this girl said that to me because what it conveyed to me was that I was not worthy of any boy in this room and that how I was made was wrong. Let that sing in for a minute. Just one line, like five or six words, 
And I felt like I was made wrong. I cannot tell you how many girls and boys are verbally told every day something that makes them think that they were made wrong. And it breaks my heart. So the rest of middle school and high school, I never told my parents about that until I was in my 20s. And so they had no idea any of this was going on. And I look back at pictures of myself and I was not a bad looking girl. Like I felt fat and unwanted and unloved. And I look back, I'm like, Ashley, you were a young, vibrant young woman. You could have just enjoyed life. But because of this one, one older girl who I would randomly see then and she would look and laugh at me, even when we got into high school, she kind of was a part of that destruction, that culture destruction of a person saying I was unworthy. I was not made right. So through middle school and high school, I, oh my goodness, I didn't care about what I wore. I wore sweatpants and big sweatshirts and big t-shirts and just tried to hide who I was, tried to hide my physique, all of it. Now, I'm not saying that I should have been flaunting my physique around the world. That is not what I believe. I believe we should be modest in some ways um, when it comes to clothing. I'm not saying to be a nun, but I'm not saying to like wear some of the clothes that are out and about right now. It just saddens me, but that's a whole other podcast. We can talk about that. 90s crop tops need to go away. Like, away. I can't believe they came back. It makes me angry. 90s fashion's not great. Just send it away again. Stop it. But anywho, that's another soapbox. Um, so I, oh my goodness, I allowed this to kind of be a part of who I was. And then on top of that, in middle school, like a year later, my grandma was already um, suffering from cancer. I was very close to her. I loved her very much. I still do. I miss her still very much to this day. She's the, one of the reasons why my family is into Disney. And I talk about her a lot in the Disney podcast I do with Sammy. Um, but she was battling cancer. And in seventh grade, amongst me not feeling worthy, I uh, or we lost her. Uh, she passed away from the cancer. It was September 8th, 2000. And no, just 2000. That was a huge loss for me. But the one thing I do remember in middle school with her is that she always had her Bible open whenever I'd come in. She'd always have things underlined and we'd still go to church with them. And it seemed like, and I pray that this is right and that I, that I made the right assumptions, but I felt like she had such a strong faith in the midst of this tragedy that was befallen her. So I had like this two mindsets, like I had this mindset that I was not worthy, but I also had this other mindset knowing that Jesus was my savior and I still needed to follow him and do the best that I could, even though I didn't feel worthy. And as a middle schooler, I didn't understand the full impact that God made me. And I didn't understand the full impact that I was made right because that's how he made me. Those didn't correlate in my head. Those were two separate entities. How I was bullied was one side of the coin. 
Um, my relationship with Jesus and God was on a totally different side of the coin and I kept them separated and kept them in their own little boxes. On top of that, as I got into middle school and high school further, like 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, I wanted to be accepted by the friends and the boys and all the things. So I had another little box of where I would do my own thing at school, then I did my own thing at church, and then I did my own thing at home. And I just kept these three different masks on and I change them out whenever I would need to. And I feel like that's a lot of high school and middle school, especially when you don't have a lot of positive influences being poured into you. Because my youth group, I mean, we had some great times and there were some great leaders there, but there was also some teachings that also added to my worthlessness. There was um, a moment in a fall retreat where or one of our female leaders was telling us that we need to save our very first kiss for our future husband and how if we hadn't, that's something that you have to, um, uh, hmm, that's something you have to deal with and that's a burden you're going to have to bear. And that was a lot to put on a freshman. I was a freshman in high school and that was a lot because I had had my first kiss. I had had my first boyfriend. Actually, I think I was in the midst of, of that relationship at the moment. And I felt like the, I'm going to use another word that I'm sorry if you have younger ears, but I felt like the youth group whore because I had a boyfriend and I had kissed a boy and I didn't care. So there was those types of teachings. Like I remember a a female leader trying to, I had an off the shoulder sweater that I was still fully covered. You could just see the tops of my shoulders try to take it and shove it back over my shoulders because she didn't think it was modest enough. And I was like a senior in high school. And I just kind of looked at her. I'm like, what are you doing? I was right next to my mother and she did this. I'm like, this isn't right. You are, I, I am in the confines of my parents and what I need to wear because mom and dad would not let me walk out of the house looking like I was exposing things and you're trying to tell me my parents are wrong. That's not cool. And so there was a lot of um, negativity in that group as well. So I had this relationship with God, but then I had all these different components around me that made me feel worthless or made me feel like everything was wrong. So I didn't know how to cling on to my relationship with God and deal with everything else around me because I thought if I told anybody what I was dealing with, then something was wrong and I would be a burden and I didn't want to be a burden on them. I thought I needed to figure it out on my own. So I'm going to stop here and say, guys and girls, whatever age you are, little to old, you do not have to deal with this on your own. If you are going through a trial and you are holding it inside, don't have to deal with this on your own. Talk to somebody you trust. Talk to somebody who can pour positive, loving self into you. Heck, if you're one of my chillins, call me. Just because I'm in Nebraska doesn't mean you can't call me. I am still here. If you don't know me, but you feel like you could talk to me, email me and we can have a conversation. Because... Feeling like you are alone is the worst thing. And number one, you're not alone because God is with you. 
But you also should have somebody that you can physically talk to who is like right in front of you and who can pour into you and listen to you and be there for you. Hey, it's Robert from Limitless Broadcasting, reminding you to tune in to Limitless Broadcasting Network anywhere you get your podcasts from Apple Podcasts to Spotify. Check us out today. So the turning point in my story was when I got to college. So at the end of high school, I kind of, I shedded all the drama, all the stuff that kind of made me feel worthless. I held on to one or two friends, one of them being Sammy, yay, uh, and went off to college. And the college, well, actually, before I went to college, I went to camp as a counselor. So I went to camp for 10 years. It was a big part of how my relationship with God was shaped during the summer. And that is a different story for a different time. But that summer before I went to college, I became a counselor and I started to see God work in my life in different ways because I was starting to see the lies that the enemy had put in front of me from middle school and high school because I was starting to see these other girls that I was counseling in our cabins deal with some of this stuff. And I was like talking to their lives saying, no, you are worth it. But as I was saying it, I realized, oh, my goodness. Ashley, that is your story right there. Like you have thought exactly that. So it started there, but I didn't really change my mindset until I got to college and actually not until my sophomore year of college. My sophomore year of college, I met a girl. uh, She lived next to us in the dorms and she was just this big, bright character. She was definitely popular in high school. She was, I believe, a cheerleader. If I'm wrong, she'll tell me. Um, But she kind of introduced me to this world of loving myself and self-care and realizing that I was worth it. And with her personality helping me break open and do that sort of stuff, and then my college professors really breaking me open on my faith and tearing out the pieces of my faith that were negative from my youth years and really making my faith my own, I started to change. I started to realize that I was this amazing creature that God created because we are all, like I said, fearfully and wonderfully made and made with purpose, made with purpose. And from that point on, once I started kind of figuring that out, things started changing. I started getting closer with God. I started feeling like God was pushing me in a different, pushing me in some sort of direction. And I just didn't know what that was, but I'm stubborn. So it took me a while so the quick quick notes version is that after college, I went into teaching. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. It did not go well. I actually got fired from that job. Well, I didn't get fired. I was told you either need to resign or we will fire you. So I resigned. Um, I wanted to resign anyways. I was miserable. Tried to stay down in Florida. Kept hitting brick walls. It was just not good. And finally, like everything kind of fell apart. And I came home for my cousin's wedding and I looked around and I'm like, I need to come home. And God brought me home. And that was kind of that last piece of the puzzle that I needed to really get to where he wanted me to go. Like he's still directing me in things. There's still things he wants me to do. But I feel like I had to take this really, really long road to even get to here with ministry and and ministering where he wanted me to minister. 
because I was such hard hearted when I came back to Indiana. I was so burnt out from the teaching job. I was so done with everything. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just was done. But the thing was, is I I was sitting in church, uh, Pathway Community Church. I was sitting in main service. It was my very first weekend there, like never been there before in my life. Very first weekend, the pastor up front, I don't remember which one, but the pastor up front said, we need help with volunteers. And I was looking at the volunteer list. I'm like, I could do kids. I did kids with my church back in Florida. Like I was very much involved in church all the way through this. Like I am telling you, like I did not walk away from my faith. I just struggled with a lot of stuff within the confines of my faith. Like I never looked at God and said, you're failing me. I always looked at myself and said, I'm failing you and that I'm not worthy of you, but I'm going to still keep trying. And so it was a weird dynamic. I I look back at my relationship. I'm like, how did I survive all this? Oh, God. Okay, cool. Let's just keep going. Um, So I'm like, oh, I can do kids. And then middle school, I'm like, "Eh, I don't want to do middle school. Like I never wanted to do middle school. And there was high school. I'm like, oh, I can do high school which was dumb for me to think because high school was the reason I left uh, teaching. Like I was teaching high schoolers and it did not go well. So why did I think that I could still do high school ministry? I don't know. But there was something inside of me, like as I was checking things off that said, Ashley, would you check off middle school, please? I'm like, no, like in church service, I was having this mental battle with God on checking off middle school. Finally, God won because, you know, he knows best. And I checked off middle school and it was was either that week. I feel like it was that week or it was the next week. But I heard from our middle school pastor like really quickly. And he had me come in and I checked out the middle school ministry and I actually really enjoyed it. So I said, yeah, let's, let's do this. So I became a middle school leader right away, which was probably... In retrospect, that was the worst decision for me to do. But in God's plan, it was the best decision for me to do because I was not ready to be a leader. And I think he figured that out. My youth pastor figured that out. But his assistant and him like would have conversations about me. And I found this out maybe like a year or two ago. Actually, it was over a year ago. They would have conversations about me because they saw this hard heartedness and saw how I interacted with the kids and interacted with all these things that there was a couple of times they almost asked me to step down as a leader. And looking back, I'm like, oh, I would I would have. Yeah, I would have I would have dropped me, too. Like that wouldn't have been good to have as a small group leader. But they kept praying for me and they kept trying to work with me and I kept changing. And through middle school ministry, God saved my heart and I started to break apart this this gnawingness of me and found this love for the kids and found this love for showing them God's love because I didn't want to teach middle school because middle school was such a horrible time for me. And school in general was just a horrible, horrible time for me. So God finally showed me, he's like, there's a reason I want you here because all of this started here. My healing started when I became a small group leader. And through time, I changed and I, I my heart changed and, and how I interacted with the kids changed and how everything happened changed. And actually, oh my goodness, like three years, two or three years after 
I started my middle school pastors like, hey, we're starting a fifth grade ministry on the weekends. We need somebody to do one service. And I thought of you, would you be willing to do it? And I said, yes. So it's cool to think that I was this person he wanted to drop or possibly drop. But because he invested time in me and saw that there was something there that God prompted him to keep me around, I was able to start in middle school or I was able to start helping in the fifth grade ministry. And in that fifth grade ministry was when I realized that this is what God wanted me to do the rest of my life. This is where God wanted me to be, was working with kids and middle schoolers. And eventually I was working with some of the high schoolers because they were my middle schoolers and they became high schoolers. Um, And then eventually I started helping with the college group and they brought me on to staff after four years of volunteering. They brought me on to staff and I was the youth assistant and fifth grade coordinator and uh, volunteer assistant sort of helper of the college group. And just really found where God wanted me to be. And through all this time, I started my master's in ministry class. Or my, sorry, my master's in ministry degree. And he, um, God really worked in me to get to here. Because after my ministry degree, there there's some things that happened with my job at my old church that really made me feel used. And I think that anywhere we go, if we don't put up those boundaries, if we don't actually talk about what's bugging us, you end up hitting these moments where you feel like you're just being used and abused. Um, And I kind of felt that towards the end. Not by my kids, but by some adults around me. And I decided... Well, I didn't decide. God decided that it was time for me to move on because he had someplace else he wanted me to be. So in January of 2019, I was at Passion, which is a college conference. And we were um, very first night there. Oh, my goodness. Very first night. And the band was singing a song and I couldn't sing the words because I didn't feel like I was living it at the moment. And I just felt this heaviness. And I just remember sitting there and crying and listening to the music, my eyes closed, calling out to God like in my mind. And then all of a sudden I had this peace. And all of a sudden God just said, you can leave. Because I was so torn because there was a mo- there was things going on behind the scenes that really made me feel just anxious. I never had anxiety before and I was starting to have anxiety and starting to have panic attacks. But I didn't want to leave my kids. I And if you're listening, I didn't want to leave you. And, and there was this battle going on inside of me. And finally, God stopped and said, you are okay to leave. They will be okay. I got them. And it was this breaking moment for me to know that God was watching and God knew me and God knew what needed to be done. So uh, long story short, I... Finished up my degree. I went to Nebraska, where I am now, to visit uh, one of my best friends from college. Her name's Holly. And she and her husband, who's also one of my really good friends, and their daughter live out here. And I just went to visit because I hadn't seen them in five years. And when I visited them, something, like, came over me. And I fell in love with the city that I'm in. And I just, I kind of was like, home. 
Like, this could be home. But there was no jobs available. Like, I'm like, no, I'll just, I'll find something around Indiana. At the time, I actually was applying to someplace out in Pennsylvania. And I just didn't know. And like a month later, my my current pastor's, uh, his wife called me and said, hey, this is going to be happening. We're going to have an opening for children's and youth. Would you be interested? And like, after the phone call, I just stopped. I'm like, you, God, you have a sense of humor. You knew what you were doing, taking me out to Nebraska. Like, you just, his awesomeness is amazing, guys. It's absolutely amazing. So I prayed about it. Uh, I tried to see what would happen with Pennsylvania. It just wasn't sitting right with me. I'm like, you know what? It's Nebraska. Like, I know you're pointing me there. So I had to get a job. Like, I got a full-time job to support myself while I'm doing this ministry because this ministry is a church plant. So it's, you know no pay, which is fine. Um, so I needed a full-time job and I'm like, God, if you want me to go to Nebraska, I need a job. Like I need to be able to support myself. So help me support myself. And I put in an application, got a call back the next day or no, got an email back the next day, interviewed the day after that. They hired me the day after that. Within four days, I had a full-time job that would support me out here in Nebraska. And I just sat back. I'm like, all right, God, I hear you. I'm going. And for the first time, I didn't let myself try to hit brick walls. I just gave it to him and walked in faith. And that is why I'm here in Nebraska and why I'm able to do this podcast. Because God has worked in so many miraculous ways throughout my story. Because everything I went through was not me. Every place he brought me from was not me. It was him. Even those moments when I probably went to the wrong spot or did the wrong thing, God still was like, okay, I see you wanting to make your own decisions. Not the right move, but I will help you through this. And eventually you will move to where I need you to be. And I did because I eventually saw it. And I think all of us in our stories, we see that. I think all of us in our stories, we can look back and say, oh, that's where God moved. Oh, Oh, God, you have a great sense of humor. I understand why this happened now. But the problem now is, is when we look at our stories, we just can see it in the past. We forget to look at the future and be like, God, you got this. Here is my future. That's what we need to do, guys. We need to look at our future like we look at our past and be like, okay, I don't know what's coming, but I know you're going to take care of it because you took care of me in the past. And our stories are a huge part of that. Sharing our stories with others is a huge part of our future because we are called to share God's love. We are called on mission every single day all around us. So being able to share our struggles and how God brought us out of those struggles is the glorifying story that will lead them to Christ. Might not right away. It might take lots and lots of time. But it's a first step to show them they're not the only ones who go through struggles. Because as I said at the beginning, we all are going to face trials. Now, I didn't even share with you guys every trial I went through. There was multiple ones that as I was talking to you in my head, I'm like, I don't have time for that one. I don't have time for that one. Because it would, again, take five hours. I've had so much loss in my life 
that has shaped me. My parents went through some stuff that I could see from the sidelines that has shaped me. And those are the stories, those are the moments that we can use to show God's glory when it needs to be. Today, I shared like the majority of my story because I can, because I'm the only one on this podcast. And yeah, I can. (laughs) But we don't always get to share our whole story. So make sure when you are sharing God's love to others that you invite God into the conversation so that way you know what parts you need to share, what parts you need to pray through, and where you need to just be present. Wow, that was a lot. I'm going to tell you I cried like multiple times through this and you probably heard some of it in my voice. But that is my story. That is a good chunk of it and things that I I faced as I walked through. And I'd love to hear your stories sometimes. If you ever want to share your story or even a piece of it, let me know. Instagram me, Facebook me, email me. It's all available to be there. But this episode has gone longer than what I normally would like our episodes to be. I normally would like our episodes to be 25, 30 minutes, but this one's going on an hour just because I shared my whole story. So I am going to close it out by letting you know some ways that you can support us. Go to LimitlessBroadcasting.com is my producer. We have a store there where you can buy things. We have a Patreon account where you can give if you'd like to give to support us as we do these different podcasts because I'm not the only podcast around. There's a Disney podcast. There's a podcast about um, my friend and her husband's journey through chronic pain uh, that just started like five-ish years ago. Um, There is a podcast about pharmacy, if that's something you're interested in. There's a bunch of different things. So if you want to hear more from our sponsors, our producers, there are other ones. Just go to LimitlessBroadcasting.com. If you want to follow me, you can find me on Instagram by Ashley Danny, D-A-N-N-I-E. I have a blog by AshleyDanny.wordpress.com. You can also find me on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com slash by Ashley Danny 12, the one, two. So hit me up. I'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope there was some encouragement in there for you today. Um, so as you, as I go out, I wanted to share a Bible verse and a song at the end of every episode. I don't have a Bible verse to share because really my testimony comes off of Psalms 139.14. That is the verse that I hold on to. That's the verse that shaped me when it came to figuring out that I was, um, made right by God. I wasn't made wrong that God made me fearfully and wonderfully and that he knew me and knitted me together in my mother's womb. So that's my verse. But the song I just heard this morning as I was thinking about recording this, it's called Dear Me by Nicole Nordman. It's from her 2017 album. It is her talking to her previous, like her younger self. So it it has a very much a female outlook, but just listening to it and listening to the lyrics 
it makes you really think about your story and makes you think about what you have gone through and maybe some of the deals you tried to make with God and all these things as you walked through. So I pray that you um, listen to it and just really soak in the lyrics because I bawled this morning when I heard this song. I've never heard it before and it was the first time and it was so, so good and so uplifting to hear somebody else's struggles to know that we're not alone in this fight. God is with us, but it's also good to know there are other people around us that we can talk to and interact with that are struggling just as much as us. So guys, I pray that you have a fantastic rest of your day and that as you interact with people, to not be scared to share your stories. Later. Thanks for listening to the 13914 podcast with me, Ashley Danny. Have a fantastic day. And don't forget, you all are fearfully and wonderfully made. Until next time. Bye.